everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I am your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Have a fantastic episode today. Fantastic guest by the name of Jeff Gotthelf. Um, he helps organizations build better products and executives build the cultures that build better products. He is the co-author of the award-winning book, Lean UX, and the Harvard Business Review press book, Sense and Respond. And his new book, Forever Employable, is out right now. Um, he works as a coach, consultant, and keynote speaker, helping companies bridge the gap between business agility, digital transformation, product management, and human-centered design. Most recently, Jeff co-founded Sense and Respond Press, a publishing house for practical business books for busy executives. And I just had a tremendous time talking with Jeff. Um, really enjoyed his vulnerability and sharing a lot of great insights from his journey, very unique journey. Uh, but at the end of the day, we all have a unique journey. So I think learning some of those insights, you know, what he was thinking about, how he approached things, maybe could be helpful, you know, helpful for you to take that next step in yours. So hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Go check out Jeff on LinkedIn. He's a great follow, has a lot of uh, key insights there that he shares daily. Um, so hope you guys enjoy that as well. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. My chat today with Jeff Gotthelf. Let's get it started. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. It's great to be here, Brian. I'm, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to chatting. Man, I'm, I'm excited too. I mean, I want to learn a lot more about your journey and, and some of the things that you've gone through and obviously some new things coming out for you with the book and stuff I want to get into. Um, I, I thought I'd start though, if you don't mind, just for everyone out there kind of listening in to hear from your voice, the 15, 30 seconds, what, what are you doing today? What's kind of, what's in Jeff's world? So today I work as a consultant, coach, trainer, and keynote speaker. I'm also an author, but that starts to get really long after a while. So primarily, the, the work that I do uh, is with, with organizations, usually mid-sized, big-sized companies, and I help them um, become more agile with a lowercase a, not the, not the brand name agile. I help them increase the agility of their business and transform their business digitally, ultimately helping them focus on their customers. I help them build great products. And I help them build the cultures that build great products. That's really the, the short of it. Well, and that's a quick, uh, good overview there, because I want to actually get into some of this stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'll put you on the spot to ask about, you know, you're doing, you're talking about future proofing, right? There's kind of this thing of future proofing your career. And, and I want to ask you, if I can, is when did you change? I have to imagine you haven't always had that mindset. When did that mindset shift for you? to say, I got to do something to future-proof my career versus just kind of that, that same old path society puts everyone else on. Yeah. So the, this, so this new conversation, so, so it's, it's really interesting, right? So I've been, I've been in tech for 20 years and I've been building a career in tech for 20 years. And this new conversation that I'm, I'm starting to have now around the, the new book that I've written forever employable seems like a sharp left turn. It seems like, well, you're throwing all the tech stuff away and you're helping people, you know, focus on their career and professional development. And the second half of that is true. I'm helping people focus on their career and professional development. But everything I've learned from tech is baked into this new conversation and this new book. And it's interesting because the epiphany for me uh, came on the morning of my 35th birthday. So not not like at a, at a, you know, 35 is not old, but it's not the beginning of my career. I was definitely you know a decade or more into my career at that point. And at that point in my life, 
I was, I'd done everything I was supposed to do at that point. You know, I got, I was married. I'm still married, by the way. <laughs> I have uh, uh, two kids, still got two kids, and teenagers at this point. Um, and, you know, I had a house, a couple of cars. I, and I had, you know, I'd survived the dot-com crash and kind of incrementally applied for the next best title, a little bit more money, and kind of clawed my way up into middle management after about a decade. And the realization I made on the morning of my 35th birthday was for me an epiphany. It said, look, in five years, you're going to be old, which is funny to say from this side of 40, but from that side of 40, it felt like the real deal, right? You're going to be old, you're going to be overpaid, and you're going to be unemployable. Um, I was working a lot in software design and software development. I was hiring uh, younger designers onto my team, and they were better than me. They were faster than me. Uh, they were hungrier than me, and they were cheaper than me. And my realization was the further up the chain I went, the fewer jobs there were going to be. And if I kept playing this, this game of like getting my resume in shape, submitting it, chasing that interview, chasing the next interview, uh, this was going to be a very stressful next 20, 25 years of my career. <laughs> um, so that was, the, that was the day that I had this. And the epiphany was this. I'm no longer going to look for work. Jobs are going to find me. That's the, that was the epiphany, right? That was the decision I made. Uh, on that morning. And since then, and it's been 12 years since then, I have worked every day to realize that, that dream or that, that, uh, you know, epiphany. Do you feel it was kind of a spark of the moment, like on that morning, it's just like, you've never thought about that before, or had you had glimpses of that? Like it's kind of run through your mind here and there, like, maybe not that exact thought, but that idea of like, what am I going to do when I'm 40? Or what, what, what's life going to be like? Did you have a lot of those internal struggles as well? Or is it just kind of just popped in your head? No, I mean, look, the, the interesting thing is, is, is if, if you look at my career, and you would have asked me at the beginning of my career, even when I was, you know, 18, 20, 22, you know, what are you going to be? What are you going to do? I didn't really know, you know, I wasn't one of those folks like, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a firefighter, like, I'm going to be an astronaut, <laughs> like, I did, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have that clear direction. And so I, I found my way into tech, because I had aptitude for it, I was interested in it, but, it, and, and I had, I had essentially uh, improvised a career, as the web kind of became a thing, and then, you know, the, the, the digital transformation of every business became a thing. And every time I kind of became, I, I got a new, a new job or a new position or there's a new opportunity, I always felt like I was improvising my way into that new position. Like there was no, there's no, there was no clear career paths for the stuff, certainly in, in, the, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Um, there were very, very few degree programs. In fact, I went to grad school for a degree program ultimately in, in, the the design of information, which was what I was doing ultimately on the web, um, but there was always this burning sensation of I'm winging this, and if and 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 it's and at some point, you know the risks get significantly bigger as you get older. You know, start a family, buy a house, buy cars, all that kind of stuff. The risks become significantly bigger, and the likelihood of winging it no longer working. Um, starts but that risk starts to outweigh the, the 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 risk gets too high right so i needed to do something about it what do you think also the and because and, it's funny because i kind of the realization you had right i had 
Uh, I'm 37, um, but I had that probably six or seven years ago, slowly, and it built from there. So it's funny you kind of mentioned that in your 30s as well. But, you know, you talk about the risk. Do you think it's also the comfort? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot as well, because as you, as the risk goes up, right, or at least, hey, I have more things, I have more the comfort level of, hey, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to step outside because something bad could happen potentially. Like, do you see that a lot in, in your dealings with folks or? Yeah. I mean, look, they're, they're, it's, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting balance, right? I mean, look, it's, it's not just comfort. It's, it's, it's look, my personal comfort, I, I can, I can adjust, but I, you know, my wife has been a stay at home mom for the, the entirety of our children's lives. And so there's this responsibility that I've always felt to provide for our family, right? That's, that's, that's my part in the equation. And there's a, a, a level of comfort that I want to make sure that they have, which is far more important to me than my level of comfort. And so the, there, there's this, look, when I stepped out, the first time I stepped out on my own, when I, the, the, the last time I held an in-house full-time job, I quit that job in January of 2012, so eight years ago. Um, and I stepped out to start an agency, a design, a product design and development studio of New York City uh, with two other guys who, frankly, I didn't know that well at the time. I know them very well now, <laughs> but um, and one of them still is my business partner to this day. Um, but that, that to me was this, you know, when I told my wife that, she was terrified. She was like, look, we love it, love it or love the job or hate the job. We get a paycheck every two weeks. Right. And there's a comfort there in that consistency and in that perceived reliability, right? It's a perceived reliability because, you know, the next, you know, next week there could be a pandemic or a shift in the marketplace or we get acquired or something like that. And that consistency goes away. But there's that perception of, 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 of safety. Every two weeks you get a paycheck and now you're stepping out on, on your own with zero guarantee of anything. Right. Um, and so it's, it's a real, it's a real balance between, well, do I just kind of, you know, keep, keep the, keep the course, right. As, as, as I've been, uh, as I've been doing, because look, it's paying the bills and we're doing okay. Or do I take a risk here and, and try to make something more out of this? And for me, I just, I, I that, that, you know, that epiphanous moment led me to believe that there's, there's this, continuous chasing of the next thing was going to become increasingly more difficult. And I just wasn't up for that for the next 25 years of my life. Yeah. And there's two good points there. Let, let me ask the first one is really around the, that inside that epiphany you mentioned. My assumption is that, cause again, there's a lot of people I know that they're, they deal with it. They're just fine with it. They'll go to their next job and, and, and they may not be happy, but they keep kind of going it. There must have been something inside, though, that said, I can't do this anymore. I have to branch because that takes a lot to branch out on your own, right? Leave that yeah. comfort. So what was it for you? Was it just built up over time? Was it having great support systems? What, what, did, what did you find maybe looking back that helped you take that leap? You know, it's interesting. In, in the book, I talk about entrepreneurialism as one of the key qualities to becoming forever employable. And looking back at my life, it's not until very, very recently that I even considered myself an entrepreneur. The idea of going out and starting something of my own never, never even dawned on me. In fact, the, 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 my two business partners pitched it to me. 
And they pitched it to me because I was starting to show leadership around a specific topic that was transforming the way that software was being designed and developed. And that, and that became my first book, this Lean UX, this book over here that hangs over my head. Um, showing that leadership created new opportunities for myself, opportunities that I began to take advantage of. And I realized that there was something there, something more than I could do with that other than just translate that to my next full-time gig. And I think my business partners recognized that in me as well. Again, I never saw that entrepreneurial spirit in myself. I'm, I'm not, I've never felt, my, never felt like an ideas guy. I was an execution guy, right? You have the idea, I'll get it done, right? That's kind of the, the way that I saw myself in the world. And what I realized was that over the years in my life, there have been instances that are, were absolutely entrepreneurial they're just not the, the, the classic or the traditional sense of those, of entrepreneurialism. And when I realized that I'd done this before, it became a little easier to swallow. Uh, and it became a bit, a bit um, I, I, I increased a bit of my self-confidence in taking that leap. And, and the example that I share a lot is I, I played music. I played music in bands, in touring bands on the East Coast of the US for years. And the bands that I was in, we're startups. I mean, that's what a band is. It's a startup. It's, it's, it's an entrepreneurial venture. It's, you know, it's three, four, five people getting together. They've got a crazy idea, a vision. They're going to change the world. They invest everything in it. You know, they, don't, they sleep on floors and, and they try to convince people that this is the next greatest thing and, and have it go viral. And then you hope that you can turn it into something successful, right? And I've done that multiple times in my life to, to varying levels of success sometimes to no success at all. all right. and, uh, and, and so I, I realized that I'd done this before. And so that really helped a lot. And then look, that from a support, system, support network, the, 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 I've, always had, I've always been close with my family. So that's, that's never been an issue, right? I always knew that like worst case scenario, not that my parents are wealthy or anything, but worst case scenario, the whole thing falls apart. You know, take the kids and we just go stay at my parents' house until we get our stuff together and figure out what the next step was. But it never got that bad. And, and, and then, you know, I have to give a ton of credit to my wife who said, look, I trust you. You know, if you think this is the, the next best way forward, then, then let's do it. And you know, I explained to her, look, this is gonna be different. Like I, I, do, I do 40, 50 hours a week right now at the job, plus the, the three hour round trip commute, right? It's gonna take even more time than that. And, uh, and, it, you know, and, and, and most of it worked out, not everything, but it's been, uh, it's been you know, the basis of the career I have today. Are you open to going a little bit more into that? I'm, I'm curious what your relationship with your wife, because I, I have to imagine, and I, tell me if I'm way off, she didn't just open the door after you said that and be like, yeah, you know what, let's just do it. Like, I have to imagine there was some level of like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, how did those early conversations go? How did you broach that subject um, yeah, to, I mean, to get her over the fence? Well, so, so look, I mean, she she knows me well. We've been together for, for a long time at this point. And even back then, it was still about, you know, almost... 10 years at that point we had been together um and she was she she can read me I, i'm not i'm not really good at hiding my feelings anyway and she could read me and she could see that i was coming home from these from from my my day job and she could sense that it wasn't ultimately what uh making me happy anymore and that i, I was moonlighting on the side i was trying to figure out what to do next and uh, and there was look there was a bit of frustration here right because because we were Look, I was getting paid a really good salary, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, 
I was getting paid. I'll tell you exactly what I was making. I was making $175,000 a year, right? That's what I was getting paid. That's a great salary. And we were living paycheck to paycheck, right? Hmm. And to me, I mean, you know, snuck out a little bit for a 401k, but generally speaking, that that's unsustainable. Like to me, that 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 like, oh my God, I can't wait till the next paycheck gets here because we're almost out of money and I'm making 175k, right? That's that's not an insignificant salary. Um, and so that coupled with the work sort of grinding on and not moving forward, me not learning anything new, her seeing that I am uh, unhappy. And there was, again, this, this Lean UX thing was really starting to become a thing right around 2011, 2012. And you know, she saw it. I was starting to travel a bit more to give some talks, to speak at conferences, that type of thing. And so it really felt like the, the nexus of a bunch of different uh, sort of feelings, pressures, events that made her trust that you know, this was a good decision or, or at least not a terrible decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some trepidation. Hey, listen, where's, like, where's the next paycheck going to come from? When do we get it? That type of thing. How long can we last? That type of thing. And it's, it's, those are not easy or fun conversations. And, and they were very, very real despite the decent salary that I had. Were you, were you having, or was there an overlap for a period of time? Or did you kind of just rip the bandaid off and leave your job and start kind of these other endeavors? Or did you have that overlap where you were doing some speaking, maybe getting paid for it a little, starting to write, stuff like that? So I was building, I was building my thought leadership while still full-time employed. I wasn't, I don't think I was getting paid if too much for it back then, but I was establishing myself as the Lean UX guy, right? And, and Lean UX solved a problem for the, the, the digital product design and development uh, world community that everybody was having. And so there was a lot of interest in this and a lot of inbound requests. Hey, can you talk to us about this? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And so I, I was starting to build that credibility. I was doing a lot of moonlighting too, kind of in, in, in the cracks in between everything, just to kind of see where we might want to go next. But at some point, obviously we had started, to, it wasn't like, hey, I'm quitting on, on Friday. And then Monday we launched, we launched the agency. There was definitely sort of that, winding down and ramping up of the agency over the course of a couple of months doing a little bit of business development hey we're you know reaching out to our collective networks and saying look we're going to start to launch this service coming up on this date right and please like it like we're happy to do kind of at, at, at a cut rate cost if you can you know uh be our first client or second client that type of thing and so it definitely transitioned into it but it wasn't it wasn't like a year's worth of overlap it was three months how, and just so for, for my timeline purposes, 35th birthday, that realization to day one at your agency, what was that time frame between? Uh, 35th birthday is January 31st, 2008. Day one of the agency was like January 15th, 2012. Okay. So and the reason I wanted to, and I thought that was, I was close on a few years on that. And the reason I think that's so important, and, and hopefully you'd agree as well, is that things don't just happen overnight. You put in a lot of work. You mentioned the thought leadership. You put in the time. It doesn't have to be like, again, I've been in the same boat, right? It takes time to build that. And I think a lot of folks, right? Some, if it doesn't happen overnight, it's like, ah, maybe this is not best for me. But can you yeah. talk a little bit about some of those struggles maybe in those four years? Because again, I'm, I'm assuming you're walking into work every day and we're yeah. like, I really want to be doing this other thing. 
So can you, can you share a little bit about some of those things that were going through your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the, the, the interesting thing is, is you, you make that decision. And then the next thing you say, okay, great. Uh, jobs are going to find me. Does anyone know who I am? Right? Why would they come looking for me? Right. How would they find me? That, that type of thing. And so the first thing I decided to do was say, I said, look, I'm going to build a personal brand, which is a dirty word I know for a lot of people. So if you want to call it thought leadership or recognized expert or whatever, you know, uh, two word phrase makes you less cringy is fine with me. But to me, they all mean the same thing ultimately. And, and I wanted to establish myself out there and that was great. Okay, cool. What am I going to, uh, own like what am i going to, how, what am i going to establish myself on right like in other words what is the the, the the where am i going to plant my flag right and say this is what jeff god health knows about and this is why you should come to me when you have these needs and these types of things and that was a super difficult question to answer because even in 2008 right everything it seemed like everything had been written about everything at that point, there's no, no original thinking <laughs> anywhere. And, and, and I was trying to figure out like, how would, how could I tell a story or share my expertise in a way that resonates in a way that stands out from the crowd? And, and look, I've been 10, 10 years doing, you know, website and app design, basically, and leading teams in that space. That's about where I was in my career. So that's what I knew how to do. And in 2008, there were endless, endless blogs and articles and hot takes and tweets and you name it uh, about digital design. And so figuring out, finding that, that combination of, of expertise um, and, and problem-solving direction took a while. It took a long time to, to really kind of say, what is, what is my angle here? What is my... Uh, uh, what's unique to me that I can provide? And it turns out that it was, I was helping, again, digital designers really deal with the, the fundamental shift in how software is being developed, which really kind of manifested very heavily in the 2000s, fundamentally different ways of working, and design was being left behind. And as a, as a designer, I started to see myself as somebody who, along with the help of his team and some folks outside of, of my team, could figure out how to make this better. And that's where I decided to say, okay, this is where I'm going to own the piece and move forward. Were there any like exercises or practices you did to come to that conclusion? Or was that just over time, just consider, you know, considering the, the positions you were in, you were seeing this happening and, and it just kind of almost popped into your head, if you will. So experimentation is the key to, I think, finding the thing that you want to plant your flag on. There's no reason for you to plant your flag in just one thing right now if you're just setting out. And experimentation means how can I very quickly find out if there's traction here, if I'm targeting the right audience, if I'm delivering the message in the best way, if they buy me as a credible source on this content. And it really is about minimal efforts, right? Minimal levels of effort to test the kind of feedback you get from the marketplace. So yeah, so I, I was tweeting about ideas. 2008, 2009, Twitter's been around for a year or two. It wasn't a burning dumpster fire at the time. It was actually fun. And you know, people were still kind of talking about their lunch a little bit back then. Uh, you know, just had a sandwich. <laughs> right. Awesome. Uh, but uh, but you, could, you could tweet about stuff, you know, 140 characters and then see what people say. And if they said nothing, try saying it a different way. 
and then maybe they say something. And if they, and, and if you, if you, if you notice there's traction in a particular direction, you amplify the level of effort, right? So maybe you write a blog post or you record a short video or you give a talk on the topic or something along those lines and you increase the level of effort that you invest in those ideas because you're getting feedback from the market that says, yeah, we wanna hear from you about that and clearly you know what you're talking about, so please tell us more. And that, that takes time, that takes persistence, it takes consistency, it takes creativity and, uh, and there's, there's a lot of frustration in there because especially if you're just starting out like I was, it, it really feels like you're shouting into the void. And, and no one, no one's listening. And, yeah, and no I one can, knows who you are, you know? Right. So it's like, and that's, I, I imagine, you know, again, I go through that. I'll probably a lot of folks listen and same thing. It's like, you, you have these ideas, you have these messages, things that you think you can really help with. But when there's not, it's not as reciprocal right now, it is hard to kind of keep sledging through the mud or it, it kind of feels like a quicksand almost. Um, how did you, I mean, was that just, again, the consistency? You just say, I'm just going to keep doing this because I know that I have something I could share. I have a voice that I think could really help people. Did that what keep you going or was it, was it something else? So I, I chose a variety of different topics from what I knew professionally, which was software design. And I would choose these slices of the topic and I would write about them or I'd tweet about them. I'd try to give some talks about them. But what I realized, like, again, again, I think, I think the, the thing to realize is look around what, at, at what's happening in your domain right now and what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, the problems that you're solving, the challenges that you're facing. Are, are those local to you? Are they, um, you know, prevalent throughout your industry? Are they global? Is this a thing? And really identify whether or not you're working on something that you can actually provide uh, expertise on more than just for your day-to-day -day job. And for me, that's, you know, as I, was, as I was kind of firing off these tweets and trying to find the right ideas, I realized that the team that I was leading, it was a small design team and it was a growing design team in New York City, was dealing with a challenge. So we, we had to deal with this challenge that I keep talking about, this, this transition into the way that, to a new way of software development. And I didn't know how to do it. And so I went and I, and I Googled it and I tried to find people who knew how to do it. I tried to find other people who would tell me how to do it. And there were no good answers. In fact, there, were, there was nothing but, but people just saying this is awful and no one should do this because it's terrible. And so I was, I, to me, that's when the light bulb went on. I said, this is an opportunity because if we can figure this out, then we can provide a solution to a problem that no one is currently offering solutions to. And that could really take off. And, and it did. Wow. Yeah. And I think that's really neat. And the fact that, you know, you kind of, I like how you mentioned you sliced it up and said, Hey, what are some things I'm good at? You, you tasted, you tried a little bit, right? You didn't pigeonhole yourself into one area to start. You yeah. kind of broaden it a little bit just to see what, you know, what traction was out there. What, um, what about writing? When did you realize that you were going to be an author? Cause that's gotta be, I mean, I'm going through that now with some children's books I'm writing and you know, that fear, that anxiety of like, people can actually read this thing. How was how that <laughs> internal dialogue with you to, to actually say, hey, I'm going to write this book with Lean UX, the first one? I was terrified. Uh, I, was, I was totally terrified. So I started speaking at conferences and writing blog posts. Now, look, you're writing a blog. I didn't know how to write, but a blog post is 500 words. You, you could, you know, 
you could kind of mash your keyboard with both hands for 10 minutes and get 500 words out of right. it, right? Like that's, that's, I mean, maybe not good words, but you could get 500 words out, which is what I was basically doing back then. And so I, and then the LeanUX thing starts to pick up and I end up starting to speak at conferences. It turns out that tech publishers or publishers in general, they go to conferences where their subject matter is being discussed. They look for experts or leaders or new hot topics, and then they offer book deals. And I got offered a book deal to write the Lean UX book and leaning on some of that entrepreneurial uh, experience that I finally realized I had. I said, sure, let's do it. Why not? And, um, and then the stark realization dawned on me that I'd never written anything longer than 750 words and they wanted 50,000. Right. Like that's just like, what am I going to do? 50, like for me, literally it felt like, it felt like I was standing at the foot of Everest just looking up and be like, I got to climb this thing. And I don't, I don't know the first thing about it. Like I know, I know how to take like the first step. Like that's what I know how to do. And, and, and the, the, the harsh reality is that book publishers today, they don't help you, you know, what yeah. they give you a contract. They, uh, give you a deadline, <laughs> they give you a minimum word count <laughs> and they say, see you in six months, right? And so, and, and, and so that was brutal. I mean, yeah, so, so I, I didn't know how to do it. And, and so I, I just kind of mashed the keyboard with both hands for a while, whenever I could, and something came out and it was terrible. It was bad, like really bad. And they puked all over it. The publisher puked all over it when I turned in the first manuscript. And I was crushed because again, I'm doing this while working full time. I've got a family, I've got two young kids. I'm commuting to New York City every day, right? So it's, it's on the bus, it's on the train, it's early, early morning on the weekends, you know, late at night after everybody goes to sleep and it comes out horrible. But they give me another shot and it comes out slightly less horrible, but still pretty bad. Um, and so they, they give me a new, they actually provided me with an editor which was hugely beneficial to help someone to bounce ideas off of. And that came out a little bit better and they still rejected it, but they gave me a fourth shot at it, which again, I, I don't know, I don't know how many chances they give everybody, but they gave me four. And I wrote that manuscript the fourth time, this time with my business partner, Josh Seiden, who I had been teaching the material with now for a while. And so he and I, I remember this to this day, we were riding, we were going to, uh, to do a client thing in Boston, living in New York, going to Boston. Uh, we were on the Acela, the high-speed train, we had two and a half, three hours on the train. And we said, all right, we're going to break this down. How do we teach this thing? Let's break it down how we teach it. And then let's make the pieces of the content fit how we teach it. We turned that in. They loved it. And the rest is history. So, but it's, it was brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, and I, Look, I didn't know what to do, but to try. And, and today, I, I, I definitely would take far different approaches, but I, I just gave it a shot and, and it, it failed miserably. What, what would you have done differently? So first of all, I would, have, I would have done some research. I would have asked for help. I would have, I would have talked to somebody. The, the only help I got was uh, I just didn't want to get screwed on the contract. <laughs> Right. And so I asked some folks who had written some books. I said, hey, can you, can you help me understand this contract? What am I signing up for? Is there a lawyer you recommend? But beyond that, I didn't ask them how to write a book, which is probably what I should have done in hindsight. Um, so I would look, how to write a book, how to tell a story. Um, uh, I would have read a book on writing a book or, or two. I would have read a book on storytelling. I would have uh, um, uh, you know, maybe looked to hire somebody, even even 
you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of money, but, but somebody who could at least help me articulate an, an outline, a, a reasonable outline, that type of thing, which is ultimately what I got with Josh as a writing partner. It just took me 18 months to get there. Uh, he was a subject matter expert, happened to be an, an English major in college, so that was helpful. Um, and so we, we finally got to, to a point where we could do it. But, but really, it's, it's, I, would, I would have educated myself on how to write a book. And these days, today, I mean, I'm talking about 2010 when I signed it. Today, there's infinitely more resources, podcasts, and, and websites, and, and articles that you can read to really get up to speed much more quickly about the actual step-by-step -step process. I just jumped in. I was like, oh, mash the keyboard and see what happens. And was it, was it all over the place, like just the writing style, the grammar? Was there certain points that were just like, you mentioned were, were horrible? Or was, there, was it just like, this is just the worst thing? <laughs> like, what, what, did they, what was the initial pushback? Um, so, for, yeah, so first of all, the, 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 writing, the writing was inconsistent. The, the thing didn't flow right? It was, it was like, here's a thousand words on this. Now here's a thousand words on that. Now we'll go over here for a thousand words. And so, so there was no flow to it whatsoever. It was poorly written. It was a lot of stream of consciousness writing. And so I was kind of writing the way that I was thinking rather than writing for it to be read. That doesn't work. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, I just didn't know how to do it. I, I didn't know. How, I mean, again, 500 words. Okay. 50,000. No, no idea. No idea how to write 50,000 words that make sense in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, well, you learned it. And obviously, I'm sure that's helped you on the, on the future books here. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what's really interesting is in 2016, so, so Lean UX comes out, it came out the first time in 2013, March of 2013. So five years after I, um, I had that epiphany, it took me five years to get there. And the book does really well. Right. It does, it does tremendously well. So, so, so much so that in 2016, they asked us to write the second edition of the book. So four years after I submit the manuscript, uh, the final manuscript for the first edition, they want us to write the second edition. And to write the second edition, I had to go read the first edition for the first time in years. Because, you know, I don't, I don't really need to read it every day. And so, and I went back to read it and I was mortified, just mortified. I was like, I, it took me four times to get to this and they published it. Like, you know, it's, and it's amazing that hindsight's amazing because I was such a better writer in 2016, simply by doing it right. Just by continuing to write than I was when we finished the book in 2012, that I was embarrassed by the, the manuscript that got published in 2012, 2013. Right. And, and actually in this year for, um, we're going to do the third edition. And I'm oh. terrified to go back and read the second edition. <laughs> Congrats on that. But I think that, isn't that also fun about, you know, like I, I, I've talked with a lot of folks about podcasting as an example, right? It's fun for me to go back and listen to my first, you know, 10 episodes, let's say. I'm mortified by all of them. You know, I just, that's just how I am. You know, I'm probably my own worst critic, but sure. it's, uh, but I think that's because you're in a better spot so you can see that growth and you've actually put the time and effort because I, I always say if you're the same as you were five years ago oof, yeah. right I mean yeah. that means you haven't put the time and you haven't tried to progress and have that you know that personal growth so I think that's that's probably a good thing that happened because at the time of what you knew that was a good book yeah right so yeah. 
you're right yourself up too much on it (laughs) oh you're right you're right i mean you're right there is there is that there's like oh isn't that quaint (laughs) aspect to it yeah you're right and that's a very it's a very positive spin on it right i I tend to look at it like and like you on my own on my own toughest critic as well i can't believe they published that that was horrible but then you're right the the nice the positive spin on that is like wow i'm so much better today than i was back then right that's that's growth and that's tremendous I want to go back quickly to, we're talking about support systems and, and obviously you have a, it seems like you have a great support system there with, with your wife. Um, who else besides your family has been instrumental in terms of helping you kind of get over that, that hump, if you will, and kind of start on this new path. You mentioned maybe your business partner, but anyone else that you kind of leaned on as from, from a mentorship standpoint or things that you've learned in that, uh, you know, dealing with those folks. It's interesting there for, for kind of for every slice of, so, you know, you asked me what I did and I listed these five things like coaching and all, you know, coach, author, uh, tr- you know, consultant, trainer, that type of thing. For everyone, every one of those slices, there's been somebody that I, I've that either helped me tremendously or that I, I've learned from or that I've watched. So, so I, I, look, I'll double down and say like Josh Seiden, my business partner, um, co-author and friend for, for 10 years at this point. He and I continue to work together to this day. We've, we've started a couple of businesses together and I, I lean on him heavily for, for a lot of stuff. I remember when I, started, uh, when I started teaching workshops at conferences about Lean UX, I remember the first conference that came and asked me to do that um, was a conference led by a guy named Jared Spool. Jared Spool is based out of Boston. He is uh, a legend in the world of user experience and design, dig- digital design. He's been around a long time. Everybody knows him, and, and he's a super smart guy. And he said, hey, I, I run this conference. Come teach a Lean UX workshop. And I said, great. I don't know how to do that. I've never done that before. And he said, I'll teach you. Right? And, he, and he taught me how to do it. And to this day, I use the frameworks that he taught me, whatever that was, a decade ago, where he said, look, we're going to break the day down like this. You're going to, you know, this is each chunk. This is what you have to get through. And I ran each piece by him. And so I, have, I, I owe him a huge debt of gratitude for taking the time to do that behind the scenes. He's a master presenter as well. Like he's a guy who can give a talk like nobody's business. And I love to watch him give speeches as well because just, just I mean, I like what he says most of the time as well, so that helps. But regardless, his presentation is always spot on, his storytelling, his joke telling. And so I've learned a ton from him as well, which is a good, good example. Maybe that's a, a quick question on the speaking as well, because obviously you're doing a lot of that. So we t- you talked about kind of the, the maybe fear is a, a different word to use, but in terms of writing the book and you're like, oh my God, how was it getting on stage for the first time? Was oh, that a, I'm good. I, what I'm, about I'm, that? Because that's got to be, or do you still get a little queasy getting on stage or are you pretty comfortable now? Nope. I love it. Uh, I really do love it. Um, this is, look, I, so I played in bands forever. I mean, since I was 16, 16 or 17. So I've been on stage like a really, really long time. So being on stage in front of people was, was nothing new to me. Now to be fair, I'm a piano player. And so I was never the front man. I was always the on the side, you know, I'm not in front, like, you know, singing. No, I was never the focal point of the attention on stage, but nevertheless, I, I've been on stage a lot. Um, the, so get, getting up and giving talks was never was never an issue for me. Again, it's storytelling, so you get better at the storytelling aspect of it. Um, but I, I'm never honestly. I'm far more nervous getting up in front of a room of seven people than I am in front of a room of seven hundred. 
Um, you know, I've, I've given talks on, on some amazing stages around the world. I gave a talk a couple of years ago at a, at a conference called Mind the Product at the Barbican in London. Barbican's a legendary venue. I mean, Bowie's play, everyone's played there. Bowie and Bjork and you, you name it, like every, every huge artist has played there. And you get up on that stage in front of 2000 people and it was totally fun, like not really nervous, you know? And, and, and so, so not, that's, never, that's, not, that's not been an issue for me. It's like I said, far more nervous for me to get up in front of a room of seven people where I can see every eyeball mm -hmm. and see every text under the table, you know, type of thing. Like, why aren't you paying attention to me? I'm talking. But, but again, with all this stuff, you get better. And there's, there's absolutely, to kind of use a baseball metaphor, there's sort of the, the minor leagues and the major leagues of public speaking, right? And the minor leagues are where you go and practice, right? So meetups, uh, smaller local conferences, brown bag lunches at your company, um, you know, you know th those types of things allow you to practice your material, to practice your delivery, to practice your, your storytelling, your visuals, the whole thing. And as you get good, you inevitably get called up to the major leagues because people people start talking about you. So there's there's again like anything else, it's practice. I want to ask, well, kind of on that note too, because one of the things I, I, I kind of circled over here as we were talking before is kind of looking back at that old book or the old book, looking back at the first edition, right, of, of yeah. Lean UX, and and obviously writing a second and now a third edition, and like, oh my gosh it always seems like, you know, you, the expectations get higher and higher as well, right? Because you've written before. Yeah. Now it's like, hey, we expect a good book out of here. Talk me through Forever Employable and kind of the new book because now it's like, all right, well, it's been X amount of years. You have multiple books. Like what, now it's, now it's a, a different level. So how did you, one, how did you decide that this was the next book to write? Because you said it's kind of a, a change from what you had been doing. Can you talk through that kind of that journey? Yeah, this has been this has been a, a a project that's been a long time in the making. With the majority of that time being spent as a as an item in my to do list, <laughs> right? Like it basically, I was like, I've I've wanted to do this for a long time, and I I never got the courage really to do it. And and here's why, um, I've I've spent so since since January thirty first two thousand eight. I have been building this career for myself where jobs find me. And I'm, and I'm happy to say that I've successfully done it. That's why I feel confident writing this book. For the last few years, on a regular basis, I've been getting inbound inquiries from folks who know me, who have heard of me, who've seen me speak, who've read the book and said, hey, how did you build this career for yourself? How did you establish yourself? How did you get a book deal? How did you be, you know, kind of get to this point? And to me, that's, that's feedback from the market. That's a signal from the market, which is what I teach my, my clients today, my product teams, right? Look for signal from the market to tell you where your opportunities lie. And so for me, this was a clear signal, a consistent signal from the market that says, people wanna know how to do this. And they wanna know how you did it, especially. I said, great, and I wrote it down. It's a post-it note in my backlog. Okay, cool. The challenge here for me is that for the longest time as I thought about this project, the material felt very off-brand, right? So we talked about personal brand and thought leadership. I work with organizations to help them build better products and help them build the cultures that build better products. That's what I do, right? And that's what I've done for 15 years at this point. This feels like it's not even a sharp left turn. It's like you pick up the car and you're just on a different road. 
over here. And I was really worried about a couple of things. One, um, could I bring my current audience with me on this journey? Would they come with me, right? And more importantly, could I establish credibility with a brand new audience that doesn't know me today? Right, because the product and tech world, people know, they know Lean UX, they know my name, right? They've probably read the book, that, that type of thing. So that, that's what kept me from doing it for a long time. About a year ago, I was asked to give a talk to a group of, of uh, product executives. And the talk they asked me to give was the author's journey, is what they called it. They said, can you tell us how you did this? How you, how you kind of became an author? And I said, this is my opportunity. And so I wrote a presentation, a 45-minute talk that told this story. And I gave the talk and it was very well received. That in itself was the kickoff to this project that gave me a story arc, that gave me some material. I was forced to think through how to tell that story. And the, the, the most encouraging part that came out of that was the realization that a good chunk of the work that I've done for the last 15 years about how to develop great products and services fits into this conversation as well, right? The same ideas, the same techniques, the same methodologies and approaches that we use for great product development are in this book about how to do great career development and professional growth. And so there's a, there's a foot in that work. And so it really is a bit, of, a bit of, a, of a left turn, but I think it's more of a bend in the road rather than kind of a sharp left. And um, look, I I'm, I've been testing the idea for months, right? It's not, there's a significant amount of investment in this for me, not just financial, but time and effort and, and frankly, brand risk. Right, so if, if I if I launch this and it flops, like you said, there's expectations that this is going to be good, that this is going to be relevant, um, and if this flops, I, I feel, I'm going to feel like I've damaged my brand at the very least as well. And so I've been testing this material. I've had people read early chapters. I've gotten a lot of feedback. I've been tweeting about this, posting on LinkedIn, and the response has been tremendous. And I'll tell you why this has surprised me. It surprised me because this is the most personal thing I've ever written. The other books are, I've written, I've written a couple of tech books. I've written a business book. There's not a whole lot of personal stuff in those books. In this book, and this is the only print copy that exists of the book at the moment. It says not for resale, as you can see. Uh, it's a test copy. But in this book, um, I talk about myself. I talk about, it's, it's semi-autobiographical. It starts on the morning of my 35th birthday. That's the story that opens the, that's the story that opens the book. And, and it talks about me. And it sounds like me when you read it. And, uh, and that was terrifying to me, like to put, to put myself out there like that. Because um, I can write technical stuff and business stuff, no problem. That doesn't talk about my wife or my kids or my financial situation or any kind of that stuff. But this book talks about all those things very candidly. And, uh, and to my surprise, my pleasant surprise, those parts are the parts that resonate the most with people. Uh, well, I think it shows too that growth is like you're different than you were a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And that, you know, even The Rock left wrestling to go to acting. Like, every, you know, people, some people change and evolve and try new things. I don't think anyone would fault you for trying this because you have a lot of experience now with it. Yeah. Uh, because you've done it. So, I'm excited to read it, um, and, I, and I hope others are as well. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that. I'm definitely looking forward to those personal stories a little bit more. Let, let me ask you this here to end on, because, you know, the whole part of the you know, just get started journey, right, is like, 
Man, we, we, as we talk about hindsight a lot, it'd be cool to know some stuff. So for those younger folks out there, right? And, and I always like to say for, you know, maybe your 18-year-old self, and you got to use a post-it note. I like a very short, concise. So you're writing a little post-it note there. Oh, you got it. Nice. I live my life. To your 18-year-old self, what are yeah. you putting on that as the best piece of advice for them uh, for their life? Simple. Learn to write. That's it. Learn, learn to write. Like that's, to me, that is the most valuable skill that you can develop. It's applicable in literally every situation and it will improve everything else that you do in life. So, so learn how to write. I, I do it. I do it with my kids. So my kids are uh, two teenage daughters. Um, we do this writing. They, they actually really like it. I thought they would hate me for making them do this like on a weekend or whatever. But uh, we take an hour every now and again on a weekend and we do this writing lab where I just give them, I give them a prompt and a writing style out of the blue, just complete, complete random stuff. All three of us sit down. We write 300 words. That's it. 20 minutes, 300 words. And then we read it to each other. Right. Just to practice the skill, just to practice the muscle, because I think it's the most important skill that you can develop. That's, that's great advice. And would there be a resource, maybe one that you found impactful online, or is it just searching how to write on Google? Like anything you'd, you'd suggest for folks maybe to start? God, it's infinite. I mean, it's infinite, right? There's like the, the canon of the body of work. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll tell you what, my business partner and, and longtime friend, Josh Seiden has a blog post on Medium called uh, something like Just Write or something like that. It's, it's a five minute read and I would start there. He's, he's, he's good at this stuff. And, and yeah. so that's what I was saying. Well, it's so funny you said that because I actually just wrote a blog post recently. You know, I, obviously I talk a lot about sales and stuff like that just because I've come from that world. And I think that's one of those traits, traits maybe is the wrong word, but skills, yeah. Skills yeah. that from a, a sales professional standpoint is learning how to write. It's so funny that you're mentioning that because I think that's, that's something we can all do better. Just how to even craft a simple, you know, paragraph email, right? How do you make yeah. it more in that storytelling articulate mode, make sure even the grammar's right, stuff like that. So that is, that's solid advice. I appreciate you, uh, you sharing that. Um, gosh, Jeff, this is awesome, man. I could talk to you for like another two hours. <laughs> I, I wish we had the time. Uh, we'll have to maybe uh, do a part two um, awesome. as things go along. Uh, just for, for note for everyone, where, where's the best way for them to connect with you online? So LinkedIn, Always, always happy to see you connect on LinkedIn. Um, and then everything else is on jeffgodhealth.com. So everything you need to know is there, books, blogs, uh, uh, keynotes, links to everything, email, so jeffgodhealth.com. Jeff, this is an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining and sharing. My pleasure, Brian. This was a total blast. Well, thank you all for joining in on another episode. Or if this is your first one, I appreciate you being here and certainly grateful for the listen. Uh, come back and check another guest out. We got some great ones coming up as well. And if you guys don't mind, I'd love a review on Apple. If you have 15 to 20 seconds, you might even be listening to this on Apple podcast. So you can just scroll down to the bottom and go ahead and leave a rating and a review. It only gets us out to more people. And, you know, I'm a big believer that all the different experiences that we have in our own journeys, if we share those together, if we get those out, it might encourage other people to take that leap of faith step outside their comfort zone, and ultimately achieve fulfillment in their life. So I look forward to connecting with you guys online as well. Uh, my website, brianondraco.com. Hit me up on a note there or Instagram and Twitter at brianondraco. Besides, I'm out on LinkedIn as well if you just search my name. So hope to connect with you guys real soon. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.